Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior, Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Helaman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Okay, we're back. Thanks for joining us again. I'm with Sally Alley. This is our side B. If you haven't heard our side A, we're just going to give you a, you know, a little bit of a, here's where we ended off in the last episode so we can go forward because we want to continue from the place we left off, which was kind of a place of transitioning and into some real miraculous, hopeful things, not because the problem went away or the mess wasn't there, but just the message, the miracle in the mess started showing up. And so, yeah, Sally, will you just kind of catch us up? I know that we just were talking about, yeah, you initially started earlier in the podcast telling us that you just knew something was wrong and you didn't even know if you were going to make it. And then finally, when I said, so how did you find the life-changing services? Uh, you said, here's how we found out. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we hit Smith had some accusations against him. So that is how kind of everything came out was that we got a phone call from the police of these accusations, which led us to speaking to him, which led him to just, just a waterfall of conversation where he just kind of spilled all of his feelings, all the things that's happening. He told us that he had been, had a habit of pornography use and we got him directly into a the Sons of Helaman program, because I had had a friend that had had an experience with that with her son after trying for two and a half years to help him on their own, just as a family. And so we delved directly into Sons of Helaman. And I think I had left off just by saying, you know, it took about two weeks before I 
really felt like I saw my son's soul again. And I saw his heart and who I knew from being a little boy, you know, who, who you just kind of know. And this was after people had just kind of discounted, oh, it's just a face, you know, and I would say, oh, I'm struggling so much with my teenage son. Yeah, that's the teenage phase and they'll grow out of it. And that just did not ever sit right with me. So after a couple of weeks to have us be able to feel a lot of hope by seeing his heart again was just, it was the first time I felt like there was hope. Yeah. Wow. What a moment of joy to see something you hadn't seen that you knew was there. And then to have be validated in that just gut feeling you had of something is going on here beyond the teenage phase. Mm -hmm. Like this is not a phase. It's so difficult for moms. You know, none of us want to know that really bad things are going on. We don't want to think this is a really bad thing. And we want to think it's just a normal thing. It's just your teenage self. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us don't catch it. And we don't Mm -hmm. trust that because we are having lots of people that were like, could you tell me how you understood this when it was your turn to have a teenager? Yeah. It's just normal. Just what it is. Yeah. And that's my biggest thing that I say to moms is like, trust your gut. Because God gives us that mom instinct there. That's a saying and a phrase and a a word for a reason. So you really do have to trust that gut. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a habitual pornography problem or an addiction. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we use that term pretty loosely. I think that doesn't necessarily mean there is that there may be a habit of that, but there may be something else going on. There may be cyberbullying. There may be abuse of other kinds going on. There may be, you know, but that mother instinct, it's there for a reason and it's a gift, I think. And what we want to do, because sometimes we don't know what to do with that. It's, you know, we kind of just brush it off as a teenage thing. And I just don't believe that. And Smith says that a lot. Now he says, teenagers are meant to be happy. Humans are, God means us to be happy. We're made to be happy. And if you're constantly not there's a problem. Something's going on. That is so brilliant. I like that. I like that. And I just want to put a shout out to any moms who are feeling like, like I did, because I did not have a gut feeling about anything when it all came out and it was so big. I just remember feeling like whenever another woman would say something like the spirit just told us, or I just really knew I was supposed to go and check on that. And, you know, that was God's help. And I just remember thinking, I must not have been checking the right boxes or something, (laughs) you know, like, I guess I wasn't worthy enough. Why didn't you help me? God, you know, I just remember feeling that way. So if you're a mom out there like that, yeah, sometimes you don't have the gut feeling. It just comes up. So absolutely. Well, and it's a, I mean, it's a symptom of agency of our children's agency, right? There's not always symptoms there. A lot of that depends on those kids' individuality and their character and their personalities. And there's not always big red flags, but there is always a way that we can react well to it, I think. Yeah, so good. So speaking of reacting well to it, you mentioned that you'd (laughs) ask a friend who had, was it a child of hers that had been going through some pornography, being caught in that place. And she said, don't just don't mess around with it. Well, she hadn't necessarily, it's funny the way God works too, right? Because this is, Uh 
two months before this all came out, I happened to be, we were chaperones on a choir trip and mm-hmm. we've been good friends for 15 years. And she was telling me about her son who was a senior at the time and his struggle with pornography and that they had tried to do this as a family. And she said, you know, we finally went through the sons of Helaman program. And that was really what made the difference for us. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think anything of it until a couple of months later, where all of a sudden I was hit by a two by four with this information and thought to myself, wow, maybe that was God helping me. He was planting a seed. And of course, because of the circumstances we were in, it wasn't just my son had come to me and said, Hey, by the way, I saw this. Mm -hmm. This was something we felt like was, you know, we needed to make sure there was some professionals involved. And so we went directly that route. We just decided I'm going to take this as a little breadcrumb that God left me from Mm -hmm. my friend. And that I think is the joy of the mom club is that, you know, we get to learn from each other and I wasn't willing to, to have the learning curve myself. I just thought I'm going to skip all that. We're going to go right to this and see if this works. So that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I often am so grateful for that mom that was willing to be vulnerable and, and speak up and we were good friends, but it doesn't matter how good of friends you are. This is a shamed topic. And most moms don't want to talk about their kids struggling with it. And I just remember feeling very, very grateful that she was willing to be honest and open and vulnerable about their struggles. And in that I was really given a gift. Mm. And is that something that you were able to go back and connect with her on throughout your experience? Yeah, we're still very good friends and she has a son, my son, same age. And yeah, I definitely have gone back and told her, you know, how much that helped me was having her information. And and I remember, you know, when Smith first started treatment, he wasn't really willing or wasn't in a place where he could be open about Mm-hmm. his recovery. That didn't come until, oh, he'd probably been almost a year. He had gone straight through the program and then he was, you know, working with some, with his lacrosse team and just started kind of talking about it because he was going directly to a meeting after practice. And he had a couple of friends that had struggled that were on his team And, you know, I talk a lot about how these kids are talking about this. They may not be talking to the parents and the parents struggle talking about it, but the teenagers, they're talking about it. Mm. They don't have a problem with this topic. You know, a lot of people, when they're teaching the pornography lesson for the year in young women's or young men's, they get paranoid. And how am I going to have these conversations? And how do I even say the P word? Or how do I talk about adultery? And I'm like, these teenagers don't have issues talking about this. They want to talk about this. They want to talk about what's okay. And how do I know? And where's the line? And, you know, Mm -hmm. where is a healthy sex life as opposed to an an unhealthy behaviors? And they want to have these conversations. And so Smith said something to his teammates about, you know, I'm going to a anti-pornography and masturbation group (laughs) after (laughs) practice. And it's really helped me. And he had one friend that looked at him and said, I don't know if what you're talking about is true, but if what you're saying is, I want some of that. And so five of them went to group with him after practice. (laughs) And that just kind of started this snowball effect of, you know, wanting to share with others, but it took a while before he was at a place where he felt like he could talk about it. Yeah. Um, 
And so it's, it's it? slowly, incrementally, you know, grown to where he's comfortable pretty much telling everybody everything. Yeah. So when he first started coming out with all feeling comfortable, was it when he decided to do that fireside with Brother Bynan, which is- Yeah, yes. So he had to do his fireside. Yeah, well, he decided to do a fireside. I thought it was just going to be with his counselor. He decided he wanted to tell his story. After that, he had this flood of people that came up to him, several people that reached out to him, some right immediately then, some trickled through three, four months later. Hey, we came to that fireside and we thought it was great, but what we didn't know at the time was our kid has a problem. We just found out. So what do we do now? And so that kind of grew. Smith started a company and then he wanted to go, well, COVID happened. He was working for yeah. Chick-fil-A, had worked for them for a couple of years. COVID happened and he wanted to do something different. There were, you know, riots and stuff downtown Salt Lake where he was working and he didn't want to do that anymore. And he just decided, I don't like my job. I, I love the people I work with, but I'm done with all the side effects that are going on. So he quit his job. And, and after his fireside, he had had several people that wanted to come have him come and set up their tech tools. So I said, well, why don't you do that for a job? Why don't you just let people know that you're willing to come and set up their tech in their home and help educate the parents? And he sat down with families and he talked about media guidelines and media goals as a family. And so he reached out to Colin Karchner, who is a you know popular local, mostly local. He he got to a nationwide stance yeah. and started he was on his podcast and did a video workshop with him that we're hoping to release in the next few months right prior to Colin's death and so that kind of sparked this new fire Colin was really a great mentor for him of helping be a change and having a a, a youth's perspective out there there's just not really a lot of teenagers that yeah. are talking about this there's a lot of, adult, of adults that are getting on the digital yeah. health and tech health but Smith's the only teenager we know. So yeah, he so has, when you, you said that he started a company because uh-huh. when you said that, I think everybody was like, wait, 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 yeah. wait. So he started a company. So what was his company? So his company, he would go in to people's homes and he'd okay. sit down with their families and he would talk to the families about media goals. You know, he, his big thing was Right now, it's the parents against the teenagers, and it, it can't be that. It has to be the family against the world. It, we have to make sure that the battle is not between the people that live under the same roof. So he would try and get everybody on board about tech goals and, you know, when do you want to see your parents off your phone, off their phones? And he would talk about that, and then he would he has an affiliate with a with a parent control app. And he would help put that on their phones and he would help them set up the phones and talk to the parents about, you know, things like that. And then that grew into him starting a foundation. He now has a foundation where he goes and does speaking engagements and education. He speaks with the UCAP or Utah Coalition Against Pornography year. They do two, two a year mm-hmm. retreat. So he does, he's just trying to really spend his time while he's a youth to spread the message to other youth because there's just not that teen perspective there. So yeah, yeah, he's kind of got two things going on, this little business and then 
that has faded away just because of logistics. It's hard to see people in their homes based on mileage and all of that. So he's focusing more on his foundation and he has podcasts and this, like I said, this video workshop that he's hoping to put out this year and just some other things that he's a lot of speaking stuff like that. So, wow. So tell us the name of his company, if it still exists and he wants people to call him. Yeah. He named his company Protech, P-R-O-T-E-C-H-T. So the tech is, you know, a pun. Protechstrong.org is his website. And then, like I said, his foundation is really kind of where he's focusing because he's trying to take advantage of the next few years is his age and, and the peer So he does speaking engagements and stuff through that. He does, has an Instagram account. We actually have some people that run that for him. So he can still be a 17 year old kid and not live in the the social media realm. And that's live.life.bigger. Or at live.life.bigger. And it's just kind of trying to motivate kids and teens into getting outside their phone and living life bigger is his favorite saying. So, so. That's a great way to put that because yeah, we're, it's kind of deceiving that we're living this big life in this mm-hmm. itty bitty living space yeah. <laughs> right on this device. Uh, but when you think, oh, if you put the device down, your life gets so much bigger, bigger. even though yeah. it's. Well, yeah. and he's not anti-tech because that's part of our world and there's con- great connections that can be made there. But for these teenagers, we have to, he talks a lot about ratcheting up the responsibility and the, you know, ratcheting up the management. We have to move as parents. We have to move from managers when our kids are little and we're making their meals for them. We're managing every, every portion of their life, right? We're picking out their clothes. We're making their meals. We're telling them what they have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We're even cutting it the way we want to cut it, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's really hard, I think, to move into that transition of a counselor instead of a manager and instead of telling them exactly what to do and maybe even doing it for them and setting it on a plate in front of them, we have to instead go to a counselor mode. And I think that's the hardest transition as a parent is to Mm -hmm. mentally make that switch where instead of me saying, oh, you are wearing a sweatshirt today because it's cold outside. I have to say, you know, I have to be okay with saying it's going to be 60 degrees for a high there's a sweatshirt hanging on that hook. Are you interested? You know, or might I suggest once the sun goes down, it's going to get cold. And as we all know, most of these kids go to school with shorts and a t-shirt on and they are, you know, somehow sweatshirts are uncool. I don't know, but all year round. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a really hard transition to make is to the counselor. And that's what Smith talks a lot about. You know, he talks a lot about having a first phone and we can't just not let them have any technology until they're 18 and then expect them to have healthy tech habits Mm. when they're 18, because that doesn't happen. So we have to help with setting some standards, setting some media goals as a family, regardless of what that is, tech healthy goals, and then ratcheting that up. And then maybe saying, Hey, I've noticed that you're kind of grumpy today. And maybe we've had a little bit too much tech time and whether that's video games or you know, whatever that may be. And then bringing that back and making these teens aware. Yeah. I don't feel that great today. How much time did I spend? Why do I not feel good? And then kind of ratcheting that back. And then maybe, you know, Hey, let's in a few months, maybe we can try 
allowing you to have that app or what, I mean, there's some apps, let me just say he is vehemently against, but there are, you know, that this is a part of their life and they have to learn how to manage it healthy. And that's our job as parents is to help them figure out how to slowly ratchet that up. We can't just go zero to 60 in no time flat. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea too, isn't it? To just say, you know, just like they've learned every other thing in their life in stages. Yeah. You know, just just to hand them a phone that has all the world on it probably isn't the best idea. Well, and Karen, I also think it's really important because I have a lot of parents that when I talk to them, they just say, well, but I already did that. I already gave him the phone. I mm-hmm. gave it to him unfettered. I already made that mistake. I can't take it back now. Mm-hmm. And my conversation with them is, why can't you say, man, I really messed up. You know what? I don't know everything as a mom. And I've learned over the last year, I've, you know, this is really important to me. Your tech health is important to me. Your mental health is important to me. Your safety is important to me. Your self-confidence is important to me. And what I've learned in the last little while is that I, I really messed up and that I should have done this better. And first of all, I would like to apologize. And I hope you'll forgive me for that. Mm. And second, I would like to make some new family goals. And we're going to do things a little bit differently. And this is why. Why are we so afraid of saying, instead of just saying, well, I guess maybe on my grandkid, they'll do better, right? Why can't we go and say, I messed up as a parent and I really get, I didn't know better. I didn't need to, I didn't know better, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to take a step back. I've learned more. And now that I know better, I'm going to do better. And that doesn't mean just for you. That means for me and our whole family. So let's sit down and decide what are our goals? You know, when, how much time do we want to be able to spend on a phone? Do we want to have them at the kitchen table? Is it okay to have them when we're out playing a game? What do we want our life to look like on Sunday evenings? Are we sitting down playing video games or on our devices all in different rooms? Or are we sitting at the kitchen table and playing a board game or going to the park and playing a volleyball game? Or what do we want that to look like? Because there are so many great options in our world now, but we we easily and automatically get sucked into whatever device is closest. Mm-hmm. It's easy. It is so easy. And I, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons moms feel like they can't do that is mm-hmm. because they see that's kind of like an adult ish pacifier. And if mm-hmm. I take that from you, you're not going to be able to function. Do you, but, I don't know. I had really big pacifier kids. It's true. And you take that away and it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. 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 It's a lot easier to just hand, even just a two or three-year-old, just hand them a device. Yeah. I mean, go to any restaurant and you don't have to look very far for a young child to be pacified. Just like you said, Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to entertain them sitting at the, at the dinner table. But that's where connection happens. That's where bonding happens. That's where conversations happen. Yeah. And if you have to carry around a pocket of cards that have questions on them to start conversations (laughs) or what, I mean, let's put our efforts in. If we want more out of these relationships, if we want more from our children, we have to put the effort in and I get it. It's hard. I I mean, that's not lost on me and I'm still not great at it, but right but I am conscious of it. So tell me, how did it make you feel 
when your son says, I'm going to say this right out loud to everybody. Like, <laughs> what was that like for you and your husband or you, you, the rest of your family? And how did you get on board with that? I think at the very beginning, I really struggled. Not, I, I mean, I come from a large family that has some dysfunction in it, of course, like every family. And some of it was, you know, my mom had some public or some mental health issues and my family had siblings that had some concerns that were pretty public. So we didn't live a perfect looking life in growing up. And so I think I kind of grew up with this mentality. I was a middle child. I've never cared that much what people think. So I think that was a gift too, because mm-hmm. to some degree, I've always just thought, well, if you don't like me, there's plenty of other people. So I think that was a gift in it, but I, I didn't care so much. I wasn't worried about it for myself. And it was surprising. I was surprised in that. I didn't feel like it reflected on my parenting, but I was very concerned for the backlash that happens for my son. And we have definitely seen that we have seen you know, families that don't want their daughters to date my son. And we have seen, you know, side effects from some of that. And that was my concern was, do you understand what you're putting out there and how you can be shamed and in this day and age, in this community? So I was a little bit worried about him being young enough that he doesn't understand the backlash that can happen. And that kind of thing mattering to him at a young age, because he wasn't, you know, I'm middle-aged now, and most of us could care less what other people think at this age, which is one of the great benefits of being this age. You just get comfortable in your own skin, but that's certainly not the case for a teenager. So I was a little bit worried about that, but we had some conversations about that. And he said, his answer to me was, Mom, if I expect other people to talk about this problem, I have to be willing to talk about it myself. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, let's do this. And so it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't worried too much about myself, but I was, I I still had the mama bear instinct. Yeah. And that worried me. But at, at some point I just said, this is your decision. We'll stand behind you. And you know, we were just at that point, we had just seen such a change in his spirit that I just thought to myself, how can I not help another family see that, you know, when you I think I talked in the first part just about watching your child gain a personal testimony. Yeah, you know, moving from just believing the atonement is real to knowing the atonement is real through their experience and to watch your child go through that and understand the role that their savior can play in their lives. Yes. It's so powerful that you do get to a point where you want everyone to experience that, right? You look around and all the teenagers, all you see are these, you know, kids that don't know who they are and don't understand their divine nature. And you want them all to experience that same kind of love of their savior. And so that was a big part. Yeah. And I know that Smith's cause hasn't just been about pornography or tech awareness. Like he's really gone the gamut. Like he's covering suicide and mental health and yeah. yeah. 
I mean, once you start to open up about something that is as stigmatized as pornography, people will tell you pretty much anything. (laughs) So he has a lot of friends that have talked to him about suicide, not just friends, they're, they're friends now, but a lot of teens that have reached out to him talking about suicide and anxiety and mental health issues and even some abuse issues and pornography and gaming addictions and cutting self-harm behaviors. Yeah. That, I mean, these teenagers are living in a world that I, I can't even comprehend right. at that age. They are, we think it's hard to parent <laughs> right now. It's a hundred times harder to be a teen. You know, our parenting game, we're the first parents that have grown up without tech, mm-hmm. but we're raising kids with tech. So we just have no idea what we're doing but we also don't understand the world they're living in. The, the world I grew up in, the high school I went to and I grew up in is nothing like it is now. And yeah. it's just, the, the costs are much higher and the, you know, a lot of awesome things, a lot of really awesome, great things, but these kids are dealing with some hard things. And I don't think as parents, we realize a lot of that. Yeah, so it's, I couldn't agree more. I think that it's an, it's almost something that's, impossible for us to understand and Mm -hmm. requires us to level up Mm -hmm. into an unknown that literally takes a lot of courage. Like Mm -hmm. you just described, okay, I guess we're doing this. Let's do this. How could we not support you? I'm going to support you. And I love your answer was out of a love for God and who he is for us and with us. And I'm just going to support you doing that. It's really, I think, one of the things that happens to our generation of parents, we were kind of ambushed. You know, we came from this, my high school wasn't like that. Pornography wasn't accessible like that. And then we're just ambushed with this internet, this computer age, this digital everything. And then the growth of how quickly everything became available. And so many things were given aloud so quickly. (laughs) in an arena where we're like, huh? What? Well, and it changes these, all of these things change the brain. This isn't just about behavior. This is about neural pathways being changed. Yeah. And, and you can't just, I mean, that's the other reason I think, you know, professional help is so necessary because there really does have to be physical changes that happen in the brain. I was talking with a cousin this last weekend and she was talking her daughter is the, well, it's not called laurels anymore, but she's the president of her class. Yeah. And she was telling me about how I was asking her about young women's camp. And she was telling me about how they had gone to young women's camp. And one of the leaders while they were in the cabin had told each of the girls, whether their shorts were appropriate or not, or whether they needed to change, you know, yours are fine. You need to go change. Yours are fine. You need to go change. And I just, that really I'm embarrassed to say that there was a time in my life where I would have agreed with that kind of conversation. And I've just come to such a different place in my life now where I've seen teens. And I just think that is not a behavior Christ would do. He would go to those girls. I am so glad you are here. Thank you for coming. We love you and meet them where they are. You know, if somebody's wearing what is not BYU approved shorts. Yeah. 
that's not where they are on their journey. And we have to meet each other where we are on our journey. And I think that's one of the traditional or cultural mentalities that we have of at least my generation, where that was kind of signaling, Mm -hmm. right? That was kind of something to be worried about. And at this stage, I just think, who cares? Yeah. You know, if that's where they are, if that's what they're comfortable in, you know, is that what I would be comfortable in? No, I wouldn't. Would I prefer that they're wearing something covering up themselves a little bit more? Absolutely. But I'm not going to die on that cross. That sword will not be the battle that I pick. And I think there needs to be more of a mentality in our communities of meeting these teens where they are on their journey and then working from there. And that has to come with a lot of just acceptance and, you know, whatever that may be, whatever their issue is that they're working on, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I was just, that has come to me that we really need to just be more willing to put our arms around those teens, whoever they are, and be aware that we just have no idea what their life is like. So what? First of all, Sally, I'm just sitting here thinking, I love your experience and that you have pulled up your sleeves and put your, put your gum boots on and said, this will be my experience. I will experience this and I'm going to gain, you know, a passion, a testimony of the why behind this experience, that it's not this, oh, wow, we've all crashed and burned and the fallout is bad and let's all really get a cause going. It's more like, let's see this, how it really should be seen. Let's see these children who are being wounded in the fallout of all of this, yeah, plague of evil, whatever it is, you know, not just pornography, but lots of things that they're faced with to deal with that really affect their mental health Mm -hmm. to I just love that. And I love your example too, of defending truth. Like that's what truth sounds like for a teen in this day. Yeah. Really. Thank you. Thank you. I I don't, I mean, I'm just a mom. I'm just a normal mom Yeah. (laughs) that has had a brave son that has been willing to talk about these things publicly. And, and do we still struggle? Absolutely. Every day, every day he is still 17 and still can't seem to pick his underwear up off the floor his dirty socks. (laughs) And I am still a mom that overreacts and, you know, doesn't act with patience and kindness all the time. That's just who we are. Yeah. But, but I think I have gained for me, the blessing through this is I definitely have felt the refiner's fire through this and feel like I have gained a different perspective in order to view, especially this youth generation in just a different light and have just a little bit more patience with them and understand that we just don't know. It's no different than any, right. I mean, that aspect was the same that there were people that were fighting battles behind closed doors that nobody knows about. There always is that. But additionally, that is just compounded with these kids because those kinds of things can happen. You know, Smith has talked with parents who their kids have been viewing 
pornography or have been cyberbullied or have been being sent innocently sent nude photos while they are sitting on the same couch as their parents. I mean, this is not happening. I, I have a lot of people that will say to me, well, when was this all happening? And I'm like, this is not back when we were yeah. <laughs> younger and it takes an hour or 45 minutes. This is something that is coming in yeah. within minute milliseconds. Okay. Yes. And this isn't something, if you think just because you know where your kid is, this isn't happening. That's just not true anymore. This is happening right under your nose, whatever struggles they have going on. So anyway, yeah, I think just being aware and being more compassionate and be more patient and meeting them where they are, whatever role that may be. So, yeah. All right. So Sally, will you just share, like, what would your final kind of a message of hope be for, for families, for moms? Just whatever's on your heart that's like, you know what, this is the message of hope I want to share. Well, I think I'll share, if you're okay with it, I'll share what Smith Smith has. When he talks to parents, he tells them three things. And I don't know if he said this in his interview, but he tells them what, you know, when a parent asks, what do I do when I find out my kid has either messed up or I find out they're involved in pornography or they're struggling with anxiety or being cyber bullied or whatever. What do I do when I find out they've, you know, done something? And he lists three steps. And he says, first, you're going to tell them that you love them. Second, you're going to wrap them up in a big, long hug, uncomfortably long, he says. (laughs) And then third, you're going to ask them. You're not going to tell them, but you're going to ask them what you can do to help support them in this issue. Mm. We're not going to just say, okay, give me that phone. Because that's why one of the reasons they're not talking about it, right? So, and those three things, I think, those tools and those steps, I think that for me, when I think about a relationship I want to have with a teenager, because any teenager relationship with a parent is going to have struggle. It's going, it's supposed to, right? We're not supposed to be their friend. We're supposed to be their parents. They have plenty of friends. We get to be their friends once they're adults, but while they're teenagers, I think those steps of doing those three things for me really feels very, very hopeful because if I can do that as a parent and do that well, then I am being the tool that they need to succeed. Mm -hmm. I'm a allowing them to feel my unconditional love for them physically and verbally. And then I'm also helping support them and lift them and mourning with them and, you know, Mm. bearing their burdens by being a tool. So for me, I would just say, you know, if we can follow those three things, and again, I'm not perfect at that, (laughs) but I am getting better. And if I could do that, I feel like that's such a hopeful place to be. And these teens, as much as they struggle, They are incredible and there is so much that they are going to challenge and fight. And I am always floored by the number of, the number of youth that I talk to that are, they're kind of done with a lot of this 
And, mm-hmm. you know, they're getting a lot of this information of what social media has done with them. And, and they're, they're not happy with it and they want change. And mm-hmm. I just have every hope that they are going to change the world. They're yeah. going to fix this mess we've made by giving them smartphones, <laughs> they're going to stand up for it. And, you know, they will be that change. And we need to just be willing to say, how can I support you and help you? Because I don't know. So, yeah. yeah. And, oh, and thank you too, for your message of hope that sounded like, you know what? I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. And now I know. Yeah. And really when we consider that an apology would be so appropriate, you know, cause we didn't know the damage or the wounds or what would the fallout of that would be. And yeah. now that we realize I actually just handed you that, like, it would, here's something fun. You're going to love right. you know, or that you really, really want. Yeah. All your friends know. So thanks for that too. Cause that is such an appropriate thing for us to do if we do love the idea of our children finding the savior and understanding what his atonement is personally for them and for us is to show this is what it kind of looks like to Mm -hmm. say I made a mistake and I want to repent and being a good parent to you matters to me like Mm. that's my goal and I I didn't hit that mark but I'm going to try again. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to be. Even if it looks kind of bumpy along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've been feeding your child gluten and then you find out that they're celiac, you're not just going to say, well, I've already been feeding you gluten. So I might as well keep doing that. No, you're going to say, wow, I didn't realize that what I was doing was hurting you. I'm going to, we're going to change that. We know more now. Yes. So, oh, so brilliant. And there's so many resources now too. If you're are. things, we need to change something. You can say, yeah. What would someone search online, Sally, that would say, this is going to take me to some great information that's going to teach me about how to do this different with technology in my family. Well, that, that can be hard, but there's a lot of organizations out there now. Protect Young Eyes ha- is, is an awesome resource. They have a ton of resources. They, are, they do have a lot of faith-based. They're not LDS, but he is very faith-based. Chris McKenna that started that, he's a genius. He's working with legislature across yeah. the country to, to change those. He, Protect Young Eyes is a great resource for that. Mm-hmm. I know that Life-Changing Services has a lot of resources for those things. That's one thing that Smith is working on is building up his resources of how to do that. But in my opinion, I think you start connecting with these people that are doing that. They are working on that. And there's a lot of them. Better Screen Time is another foundation that's been working on that. There's so many now. And as you start connecting with those people, you find more people and more resources and you find this village of fighters and warriors that are working towards bettering this. And yeah, there's a lot out there. There is a lot out there. You know, there's filtering devices and apps and there's all kinds of stuff out there. Now, if you want to help protect your kids, you can help protect them. You're never going to save them from all of this, Mm. but there's a lot of resources on how to react, how to help them, how to support and how to try and minimize the impact. Yes. Yes. I love that. Sally, thank you so much for the service that you have given us. It's been so wonderful to just to have your 
story and your experience. And I love the confidence of your stance. It's just good. It's not like, I know stuff. It's more like, this is real and let's get real. And right. Okay. And, and I, I guess one of the biggest things I have learned actually is the opposite of I know stuff like I what I've realized is that, you know, you had said that I don't know what I don't know. And what yeah. I do know now is there's a lot I don't know. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm sure of now is that there's a lot I don't know. That's awesome. So good. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and we really appreciate the work you're doing and all of the parents out there. And certainly you can reach me as well. If there's yeah. ever a, anybody that I can be of service to and be a supporting, yeah, supporting fellow you. mama. So probably the, the easiest thing is probably to message me on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, I'm just Sally Smith Alley, which is where Smith Smith uh-huh. is my maiden name. So he is Smith Alley and I'm Sally Smith Alley. And you can DM me on Instagram. I am public so that I can be reached if there's anybody that needs help. So good. Yeah. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Karen, for all you do. It was great to visit with you. You too. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSAA young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothershoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothershoknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.